online and managing editor and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is a little after 3 o'clock on a Thursday. I almost said Thursday. Damn. Actually, I did say Thursday almost, right? On a Monday afternoon. It is time for the Talk That Talk radio show. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio for the first time in these seats, in these chairs, in this studio, from the Harry Reid Research and Technology Park here on Sunset in Las Vegas. Joey Gallegos is in the building. What's the deal, Joey? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me. Of course. I still, man, of I still course. can't get over that Dick Calvert entry, man. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's next level right there. It's funny, man. I was just thinking about it right now. And shout out to DC. He did it such. He did it so long ago. Uh, this was during the pandemic. I, t- I think I told this story before. DC came in to record during the pandemic. For yeah. Me. And shout out to DC. Uh, he kept it quiet, at least at the time. I didn't know that DC had about with COVID. So, of course, finding that out, I was like... Oh, he had it doing this? I have no... No, oh. I think it may have been after oh, or before, okay. but I Still didn't know. Still regardless, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so... Wait, 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 wait. So, I, of course, was like, did I... Was I the reason why... The only reason why you left the house? And he was saying, no, he was on campus for different reasons, but he did take some time to do this for me. Um, I don't know what made me laugh today about it. And, tip, and the funny thing is, clearly, we've done... So many of these shows. This is season five of the of the Talk That Talk radio show, episode twenty six, I believe it is. Um, but I, I was laughing because I obviously heard it. I, I wrote it for him and I, I gave him uh, a couple things. I hate writing bios on myself, right? But I told him obviously I wanted like a running rebel style intro, and I was like, I gotta lift some achievements, don't I? And I was like, um, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So. I was trying to obviously make it kind of cool and make it still kind of sporty, and DC definitely followed through with that. So, shout out to the legend for that. Um, shout out to DC for sure. For sure, man. Um, we got some UNLV on the schedule too, so we DC will definitely be in Allegiant this year. Uh, we will definitely talk a little bit about UNLV football. But uh, before we do that, if you guys are watching, and it just cut off, <laughs> ironically enough, but I thought we were actually over the Wi-Fi issues on Thursday. Thursday show ran the entire time through. And that was the first time since our first show here. Yeah. And I've let people in the building know that that is kind of spotty in certain moments in certain areas. Thursday show was beautiful. So I thought they have they they have fixed the glitch, but it appears we still may be in the matrix. So uh sorry guys. Unfortunately, it looks like it's not gonna be live today. But if you guys want to follow our Facebook uh, and like us on Facebook, all you guys have to do is go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in talk that talk radio show. Go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in Talk That Talk Radio Show. Once again, you can pretty much do that on Instagram. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. The one thing that would be different is our Twitter. Our Twitter is at Talk That Talk LV. Once again, our Twitter is at Talk That Talk LV. Joey, how was your weekend, man? It was good, man. It was good. Uh, Every time I hit you, you're working. And people tell me that I'm always working. Hey, man, we're, we're, on, the, we're on the same path. Yeah, it's, it's tough getting some off days. Um, I was hoping today would be an off day, but my bad. No, 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 no. It's not you. It's my my other job. I don't mind coming in today when I when I have time. I definitely enjoy coming in, and um, you know, I had a we only done one show together, but the one show we did do together, I had a lot of a lot of fun. Regardless, it was like at ten o'clock at night, and I was like half asleep getting there. But once we started going, I was up. So, uh, and that's another thing with work, man. I used to 
you know, being a little bit, I'm only 20, but being a little bit younger, like 18 or 17, I used to be able to stay up to like one, two o'clock in the morning. And now I start dozing off like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. It's so. the, it, it, like you just said, it's the growing <laughs> up aspect. You start to grow up and it's like, yeah. and the bad thing about me is I have acting like my dad a little too much, man. <laughs> man, like I have insomnia and well, I, you know what? Let me not say that because I'm not like diagnosed with insomnia, insomnia, yeah. but I'm almost positive I have it. Bro, let me fall asleep on the couch for 30 minutes at any at any point during the day. I'm up till 7 o'clock in the morning, guaranteed. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't know how to fix it. That's the scary part. I, I, that's that's how I was, like, during COVID. Okay, yeah. Like, like during that whole, you know, 12-month span, that's how I was. It was, it was kind of up till 8 o'clock in the morning, and I would wake up, like, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was just, it was... Literally, <laughs> your days are no flipped. More. Exactly. So, I think the way... I don't know if this will work for you, but the, the it's gonna sound funny. The way I fixed it is I just I just pulled an all nighter and I just fell asleep at ten o'clock the next night. And then since then I I have not pulled an all nighter since then. So I just I just stuck up and then I fell asleep at ten o'clock that night. And the funny thing is, I've done that don't before. Work. No 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 no. I've done it before, never intentionally. Right. Like it's usually one of those things to where like I'm up, so it's like I might as well just stay up at this point. Yeah. It's usually one of those, and then. Like you ever um <laughs> you ever seen like a baby in a floaty in a pool and like the baby flips right. and like everybody tries everything in their power to flip the baby back and then the baby flips again. Yeah. I feel like that's what I do with my sleep schedule. Like I'll do it and then I'll be like, cool, I'm back on schedule. And then something that happened, then I'm up till eight o'clock in the morning again. And I'm like, I just I just undid all of last week's work. Uh, but let's start with my mom's tip in and let's get to some sports talk. I think today's show is drawing up for about an hour and 45 minutes. So it's looking like we'll get out right at five o'clock. So that's perfect timing for us. We started a little after three o'clock today. Uh, but my mom's tip in is actually a quote from Buddha. Um, you know, it's funny. Now that I think about this. <laughs> Mama, this ain't a shot at you. I don't think maybe this is a shot uh -oh. at you. Uh -oh. um, I wonder if he said it this way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying your mom paraphrased the quote? No, no, no. She has a picture of the quote. So okay. whatever it's from, it's from some it's from some source, online source. But I'm not mad at her for it. I'm just looking at it. I'm just wondering, like, you think Buddha talks like this? <laughs> like, that's all I'm that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> but let's let, let's see what it says. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at somebody else. You're the one who's gonna get burned. I can see why you you think you might have said might not have uh, worded it like, it's like that. did he say it like yeah. that or did you guys did. take was that yeah. was that y'all takeaway? <laughs> um, but I'll read it one more time. Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You're the one who's gonna get burned. So I like that. I like that um, tip in and typically similar to what I do with the podcast uh, with with the, with starting with music. Um, it usually sets the tone for the show. That tip in today has no bearing on any topic that we have. So that's a good thing. Hopefully that means we're returning, Mom. So hopefully that's a good thing. Let's start with some basketball talk. I think that's where we're going to talk pretty much for the first half hour. We'll see what happens. But let's talk Las Vegas Aces. The Aces just beat the Indiana Fever 101-88 to from the Michelob Ultra Arena. They are winning games by an average of 18.7 points per game. Just to kind of give you an idea, clearly I want to talk about the battle in the paint. I want to talk about Kelsey Plum showing up in the third quarter and kind of pulling away in the third quarter. But I must hear from you. First time I've talked to you, I think, since their season has started. What's going on with you and, and, and watching the Aces? What are you, what are you taking away from them? 
I mean, I think the last time we did a show, their their season wasn't even going. Yeah, um, right. But you know, the you looked at the seven zero start, and you know, a lot of people were like, "Hey, yeah, they, this team might run the table." And uh, as soon as they said that, they dropped that first game uh, <laughs> to Connecticut. Uh, but I mean, this team looks near unbeatable. I mean, you're sitting at twelve and one, and it's it's a it's a dominant twelve and one. Like you're saying, they're they're winning games um by i believe what was it a, a margin of 18 and a half points per game yep little yeah. over 18 i mean there. these aren't close games i mean you're looking at uh teams like seattle who granted did lose uh, a few key pieces but blowing seattle out of the water even you know the the one win they did against connecticut they did get against connecticut on the road uh they had control for the majority of the game and then connecticut kind of slipped back in um but i mean i don't know about running the table anymore because they've lost the game but right. they, they, they may not lose another game and um you know, you never want to sit here and say that, you know, another championship is given, but we very well could be having uh, another championship parade on Las Vegas Boulevard here in a couple months. And I think the only t- real threat to this team is uh, is the Liberty. I mean, the Liberty look real good and legit right now, but even then, like, do they have the pieces to go uh, in a best-of-five series with, with the Aces and who the Aces are going to have home court advantage in? I mean, you look across the WNBA, um, I think the house uh, – is, is, is the toughest place to play. I mean, consistently, yeah. night in and night out, you're getting 8,000-plus in that arena. And it, it, it's crazy to see how much it's grown. From year one, you're getting, you know, on average 2,000, 3,000. You have that whole back section behind the hoop kind of tarped off. You know, year two, you start picking up four or 5,000. And then, you know, where I believe we're on year four, year five right now. Uh, and you know, the last the last three games last year were complete sellouts. Um, yep. And then you look record breaking sellout. You look into this year, you already have a sellout in the regular season, which I believe happened uh, not this Sunday, but last Sunday. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to run through Vegas. Like having home court advantages, it matters, and it's a big part of it. And I mean, they pretty much got that for forbidding something horrible from happening. Um, they've they've got that pretty much locked down. And it's you know you have two guards that complement each other really well, and Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum, who are both uh, going to be all stars, and you have a. A, a superstar forward in, 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 in Asia Wilson who is uh, continuously getting better year in and year out. And it feels like she still really hasn't even reached her ceiling. You know, you think, you know, one year goes by and you're like, all right, well, she maybe maybe this is all we're going to get from her. And then <laughs> the next year she uh, she only grows. And then, I mean, they knocked it out of the park by adding a, a, a veteran uh, forward in Candace Parker. Right. Um, I think her presence really helps and she's got a lot to do. Regardless of what may or may not show up on the stat sheet some nights, uh, her presence definitely helps, you know, them being a 12 and one team. And, you know, to kind of close it all out, uh, you got a, a superstar, you're not a superstar coach, excuse me, a uh, yeah. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, but future Hall of Fame coach, I think. Mm, in, uh, you, you, you still kind of have a superstar right there, too, man. Yeah. He is, is. The, the I was trying to figure out a, aura around it. Right. Try, trying to figure out something different. Yeah, not superstar. I wanted to because she's not like I wanted to say future Hall of Fame coach and a coach that could probably coach in the NBA right now and a coach who's gotten consideration from a lot of NBA teams. You looked at two years ago, she interviewed with the Celtics job. You look yeah. at uh, this summer, uh, she interviewed for the Toronto Raptors job. And you know, which we could pause for a split second. Do you think that they? Looking at who they chose, with all due respect oh, yeah. to Darko, yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of looked at Becky and was like, oh, "Please, you should." I think you should have uh, given that job to Becky Hammond. I don't know. We don't know what happened in that, and if she turned it down or they just decided not to go with her. But not to go too far off off topic here, that that Raptors hiring looks like we're going in to rebuild. This guy's going to be here one two years, and we're going to fire him, and then 
you know, we're going to kind of restart and build around Scotty Barnes. Like we're going to, we're going to see what we get from this group. And if we get something from it, then we'll build off of it. And if, if it's another 34, 48 season, we're going to fire him. And then we're just going to build around Scotty. That's exactly what this hiring looks like. So um, I'm glad you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's definitely what it feels. And like. again, no disrespect to him. Right. Uh, I watched that pref conference. And I mean, if I'm a Raptors fan, um, my takeaway from that would just be yikes. <laughs> you look at, you know, the coaches that was there before, Dwayne Casey, Nick Nurse, and, you know, the players and, and what Masai Ujiri has done there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not Raptors culture. That's not what's been going on there the past 10 years. So, again, I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But, uh, again, back to Becky Hammond, you know, uh, just a tremendous coach. And, again, a woman who's gotten consideration to be uh, an NBA coach numerous times. And uh, many believe that she was going to succeed. Greg Popovich, she still very well could. We don't know. That's my bet. That's that's that's, that's my that's my. I don't want to say risky bet, but I feel like I feel like it's risky only because it, I don't see it happening soon now. Yeah, but since they got one Banyana, I feel like yeah. he's gonna stick around for maybe another three years. But and when those three years up, maybe that's why she's not taking these jobs. We don't we don't know. We have to wait and see. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean this this Aces team this Aces team looks legit, and you know I don't think there's anyone. Granted, the Connecticut uh, did get the the only win against this team. Um, I don't think Connecticut can get past New York, and New York is probably the only um, major threat to this to this Aces team. And even if New York, you gotta you gotta win one in Vegas. If you don't win one in Vegas, you're done. Because I think the Aces are gonna win. They're not gonna have any trouble winning at home, and they're very capable of stealing one, if not both, on the road. Like they very well may run the table in the playoffs. Like I think that's a possibility. At least leading up to the championship, they very well could run the table and and get two sweeps going into that. And uh, um, and maybe we get the uh, the gentleman sweep in uh, in the championship. I actually brought that up before, and and I, I do think that. And shout out to the to the Liberty because you did just talk about it. I still think last year uh, talking about Washington, uh, I, that was a tenant I was keeping my eye on this year. This year I don't feel as high on them as I did last year. Uh, obviously they're still there, but New York. I, I said earlier in the season since we haven't talked since the season started. If the Aces, or excuse me, if the Liberty rely on 45 points from Brianna Stewart, 40 points, 38 points, whatever the case may be, the Aces are going to sweep them. Yeah. Now, seeing Brianna Stewart start this last half in this, or start their, uh, the first half in his last game, 0 for 7, and the Liberty still find a way to pull it out. Sabrina Ionescu, 31.7 of 12 from 3. That New York Liberty team? Now, as you said before, that that kind of goes back to what we could possibly see, uh, or what we were possibly talking about seeing in the off season when the, when both of these teams made a lot of their off season moves. We said we can get an all time WNBA final this particular year, uh, but this, this 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 Aces team just looks like it's too much sometimes. Aaliyah Boston, number one overall pick, matched up against Asia Wilson all night long. Um, she came out, and you know what's funny. Um, in sports, I feel like we are forced to not not forced. We have the opportunity to go back to moments, signature moments, key moments, whatever the case may be. The game tips off. The fever come down. I I watch Aaliyah Boston post up Candace Parker, right? I watch her go to the left, get to her spot, she gets the bucket. I said, mm. So that's a Hall of Famer. A couple plays later, she gets the ball right elbow. She takes a couple left-hand dribbles. Asia's guarding her this time. She spins to her right. She finishes. I said, mm. I looked down at the box score in a couple of minutes. Aaliyah Boston started the game 8 for 8. I mean, 
seeing, seeing the way she played over at South Carolina. And again, I mean, Duh. Asia Wilson, also South Carolina alum, um, she's going to have a great career. I mean, Leo Boston's going to be. Gonna you be know what's funny? I know we do a lot about like overselling, right? And doing things of that nature. She's going to be more than all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's going to be more than all right. The. She's so good that you don't look at Indiana now and say, oh, what a lost franchise, right? Do you think they eventually – I mean, it's a 12-team league. And I know this is a Las Vegas-based show, so we're going to get to the Aces in a second. But this Aaliyah Boston is worth this conversation. Do you feel like at some point they could build a winner around her? Again, like I said, it's a 12-team league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the Aces did it. The Aces built a, a complete team around Asia Wilson. And, I mean – you look at basketball in general, and you think it—you uh, think a lot of times it starts with a point guard. That's who you got to build a team around. Um, but I, I mean, history showing, at least in the past five, ten years, it starts with the forward. You look at, um, you know, the Aces, for example. You know, Asia Wilson. You look at Brenna Stewart. You look at. You want to go to the NBA? You look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Jason Tatum. Um, Luka Dantage, um, these teams, I mean, I think it starts with the forward. And the way the forward position is now in the in, in professional sports or in the, the collegiate, um, it's not it, – basketball is kind of positionless now, it feels like. It's like a guard, three forwards and a big, or two guards, you know. It's, it's not really like you need a point guard, you need a shooting guard, you need a small forward, you need a power right. forward. Like forwards, they are the, can play the three to three through five, it feels like. And um, – yeah, you can absolutely build a winning team around her. I think it starts with the forward, and then they'll probably be in the lottery again uh, this season, and then you can go out and get a guard. And, you know, it takes time, and that's kind of what, again, going back to the Aces, that's what exactly what the Aces did uh, with, with Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson, and then the pieces kind of started falling together. Um, I give it three years. You know, this Indiana Fever team will be a lot more – they already are exciting to watch because of her, uh, but they will be in the, the contending conversation for, for sure. And I think they, they took a piece out of – all these other teams' playbook is. I think it starts with that forward position, and um, I think you got the the best forward, best forward prospects since Asia Wilson and, and Aaliyah Boston. And not only that, you have somebody to go next to her. You have Nalissa Smith, and Nalissa Smith had twenty six points and eleven rebounds in this one. And I've been wanting to ask this question to Becky Hammond for a year and some change now, because there was a win last year. And she was looking at the stat sheet. It was against Indiana. And she was like, yeah, that Nalissa Smith. Nobody asked her about Nalissa. And she just brought it up and was like, she's a real gamer. And she kind of said like maybe two more sentences about her and kind of went on. Okay, cool. The problem for me was now that sparked my eye. So I'm just watching everything Nalissa Smith does. And I'm watching her specifically against the Aces. So 26 points, 11 rebounds in this one. I go to Becky after the game and I say, well, you know what I mean? This is what you did last season. And every time her name is brought up, you have this smile. And she smiled again. And I was like, what is it about her game that just, like, you can't get off of? And she was like, again, she kind of said something like she's a hooper. But she kind of went back to it and was like, she just knows how to play. She said, if I was at the park, and we were playing a pickup game, I want Alyssa Smith on my team. Bottom line. Like, I think she can hoop. Like, it, it, that's just what it is. And 
watching the list go against Candace Parker, I know a lot of people were talking about Aaliyah Boston and Asia Wilson, rightfully so. I was looking at that other matchup like, dog, Candace is shooting 85%, and she has 15 points, five rebounds, three assists. Melissa Smith has a double-double with 26 points just behind age of a 28. I'm like, dog, what are we watching right yeah. now? Like, I, I, I had so much fun on Sunday. Or Saturday, I should say. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, that's that's two pieces they got with, and then they can kind of start. Or, you know, again, you know, you also have an asset in, in Smith that you can maybe move and uh, get someone that you think may uh, complement Aaliyah Boston better. So I think going back to the to the conversation with what the Indiana Fever can do in the coming years, um, I think they're they're on the right path, and, and you know, they've got the pieces they need to kind of uh, start and, and get this team into contention in a two- to four-year span. I'm really happy that we are not live today because I came in and told you about my allergies. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys hear me, like, sniffling on the show, I apologize. You know what's funny? And I and this is going to sound really, really bad because I don't think – let me let me stop lying. I am a conspiracy theorist. But I don't think – I think there was some conspiracy to COVID. I don't think there was as much conspiracy as everybody was trying to attach to it. By, by conspiracy theorist, do you mean, like – I believe aliens are real. Okay. <laughs> like things but like do, that. Do, do, you, do, you, do you question everything or do you feel like there's just, you believe certain conspiracies? I, I've grown out of questioning everything. Okay. I was absolutely one of those. Okay. People. If you would have called me ninth, 10th grade, oh my God, bro. The Illuminati's real. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Was like, I was definitely. Every time one of those something people. happens, you're like, no, 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 no. I'm looking at numbers. I'm very serious, bro. It was it was bad for a little bit. What's, we're going to get a little off topic here. You kind of piqued my curiosity here. What's, what's one conspiracy theory? That you 100% believe. That I 100% believe. You 100% believe. Um, This is really fun. Mm. I think the aliens is like, is like a cheap way out. Right. So. Yeah, don't sell, all right, don't don't sell with the aliens. Don't laugh. <laughs> I ain't going to laugh because I don't, believe some silly ones too. All right, cool. So we're going to see what happens. <laughs> do I think it's it's just like the myth? No. Do I think it may have the name of what it is, of what, what I'm about to say? No. But the idea and the conspiracy behind the chupacabra, I believe, bro. I, okay. Something like that exists. Okay. If you and the reason why, and like if you look in the ocean, and I know that's a hot topic right now. If you look in the ocean, like you don't even have to go far into right. the ocean. Go 20 yards into the ocean. If you're a diver, just dive a little bit and just look. You will see some things down there that'll be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Am I to believe that just because we're on land, that you're, you can't go deep enough into the woods or the forest and see something that's like, okay, something breeded with something that it shouldn't have? Oh, yeah. I think people... You, you... You're absolutely right. People look at the ocean and they they think about how undiscovered the ocean is, and they're absolutely right. But I don't think people understand how big, you know, the mainland is sometimes, and how big areas that are not covered by cities really are. Like, I mean, I go up to uh, Grand Teton and, and Yellowstone National Park almost okay. every summer, and you get you get to a viewpoint up there, and you look, and you're like, damn. I mean, that's just like that's just the only word I can really think of to come to mind. But you just you get a look of the area around you and the landscape, and you're like, there's there is so much where probably a lot of human feet probably haven't stepped, honestly. And, you know, granted, you, you can see it and it's in light, but, you know, there's a, lo there's a lot of stuff that probably people may not know exists. 
And this one, I, I, I really need somebody to actually tell me if it's just me. But my COVID conspiracy is actually... Don't, didn't I say don't laugh at me? My COVID, <laughs> my COVID conspiracy is ever since I took that initial test, and don't I'm gonna laugh myself. And they did the the, the Q-tip swab. The no swab, yeah. Oh my gosh, bro! I have been sneezing like a toddler, and when I say sneezing like a toddler, I mean uncontrollably sneezing. Yeah. And without being too graphic on this radio show, yeah, you guys should know what not being able to control your sneezes. So yeah. remember how they would go up there and they would tell you that um, you're gonna feel like you have to sneeze, but we're on the nerve that whatever, whatever. I think they need to go back up there and touch the nerve again because it feels like I've lost control of the nerve. Yeah. It bothers the hell out of me. So that's why if you guys hear me sniffling, it's my allergies are going crazy, but it feels like I have that constant I have to sneeze issue. And most people would be like, just sneeze. Yeah. I can't. Like, if I <laughs> sneeze right now, like, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to pause the show. Yeah. Like, this is bad. So I, I, I don't know, man. This is That's why you guys keep hearing me sniffling. Sorry about that. My conspiracy is... Them touching that nerve, I don't think I'm the only person out here dealing with this. That's that's what my conspiracy is. I think they were up there touching things because of the severity of the situation right? and wasn't really understanding what you were possibly doing to people because that's a small little side effect that I didn't even get from COVID. I think I got it from the test. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, maybe maybe there's a whole group of people that uh, that are on the... In the same position as you right like now. Yeah, they might reach out to you after the show. We are like, a man. yucky group. <laughs> like, we are a yucky group. There that might be some nasty. people that are very happy to know that they're they're not alone right now. So maybe maybe you just opened up a whole door without even knowing. Hopefully, that. feel free to write the show, please. <laughs> please write the show. Uh, Kelsey Plum. Uh, we we kind of just talk about the pain a little bit right, right now with with this Indiana Fever and this Aces game. Um, Asia picked up four fouls, and obviously you you look at the. Uh, what's the word? The I was gonna say banging down low, but for lack of a better term, that you look at you look at the aggressiveness and just the Intensity, physicality yeah. is the word that I was looking for. Uh, when you look at the physicality of that particular game, it's no surprise that obviously people were gonna get into foul trouble. What I do find interesting is the Aces had fourteen total fouls, four were on Asia, but. You know, Asia did shoot 16 free throws, and the Fever would call for eight more fouls. So I'm not necessarily saying that they got a home whistle, but home whistles do exist, right? And it was a lot of banging in that game. Superstar whistles exist too. I mean, um, you you look at players who 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 have a good reputation, excuse me, reputation in the league, and uh, and have that star power. They definitely get certain calls that other players may not get. I mean, and Asia Wilson being one of those players. I mean, probably the face of the league. Um, she's gonna she's gonna get those calls down low. And if you let Becky tell it, she doesn't get enough. So, uh, <laughs> man, man, sixteen <laughs> attempts, man. I don't know. I don't know how many more you want. But I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. There are certain <laughs> games where Asia shoots four or two, and yeah. you kind of look and you're like, "Are we playing Connecticut or am I tripping?" <laughs> like, because I'm pretty sure Connecticut is like Detroit. They're gonna elbow you. You just gotta be ready for it. Yeah. Um. But no, in this game, uh, fourth quarter or excuse me, third quarter, she picks up four fouls or her fourth foul. Kelsey Plum. Erupts. Kelsey Plum scores 12 of her eventual 24, 26 points. I lied. 26 points uh, in the third quarter. The Aces expand their lead to 20 points during that particular quarter. Uh, Las Vegas as a whole, Kelsey knocked down three three pointers on five attempts, but Las Vegas as a whole, now what was it, 48% from three? They knocked down 11 threes. Um, one of the bigger storylines out of the game was a particular play from Chelsea Gray. 
Uh, 13 points, 12 assists, season high, 12 assists. She was two off of tying her career high of 14 assists. Um, this play, she, she's, she's dribbling right past half court. She's about 35 feet from the basket and she's dribbling in and, um, facing the scores table, essentially facing the scores table, gets a behind the back pass. It's an, and first of all, that's, what's wrong with like point guards that are wizards. Like I didn't know that that was a passing lane. So I'm looking at her facing the opposite way. She throws a behind-the-back pass to a cutting uh, Asia to a diving Asia Wilson. She's diving either from the top of the key or from the from the right wing. She dives wide open layup. Even Asia reacts in the moment. And I know a lot of people like to say, "Oh, we're taking this person for granted. We're taking this person for granted. We're taking this person for granted." I believe people said that maybe twice about Chelsea Gray her first year here. And then no more. And then no more. Uh, obviously, they call her the point guy. Is there um, a certain... We understand the point guard, the greatest point guards of this game, right? People are going to mention the Sue Birds and things of that nature. But when you just think about just freestyle, playground-style basketball at the point guard position, is there anybody that has ever done it better than, than Chelsea Gray? I think she certainly stands out. Um, I remember last year, I really didn't get a chance to go to, to, to too many games last season, but my first game uh, was when they played the uh, the Seattle Storm. It was uh, Sue Bird's last game, last okay. regular season game. And I got with a friend, and I remember just both of us being completely memorized by by Chelsea Gray. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like I'm making this up because we're talking about her, but it's truth be told, like, just how easy it is for her to get to the shot and how how she can kind of create her own shots and also her vision and just how in flow and efficient the team looked when she was on the floor. And I remember just watching her and I, I, I really not heard a lot of Chelsea Gray kind of going into that game. And then watching that game kind of put me on the, the Chelsea Gray notice and, you know, seeing how she played throughout the playoffs and seeing how she's continuing this season. And she's got a big, she has a, you know, we talk about Asia, Kelsey and, and whatnot. Um, she, Jack Young, uh, she has a, a lot, just not, or, or, she has a lot to do with the team's championship run last season, and she's got a lot to do with this team being 12-1. and I mean, if you take Chelsea Gray out of the picture, no disrespect to Kelsey Plum, I don't, I don't know if they're in the same position. There's no true point guard on this team outside of Ch- outside of Chelsea Parker. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea Parker. <laughs> Chelsea Gray. They're, they're, this team would be lacking a true point guard if that were the case. Yeah. And, and I think everybody on this team understands that. I think Kelsey, like you said before, Kelsey would fight back a little bit. And she would say, I got a little passing in my system too. And I'm sure Jackie would say the same thing. But I think they also would understand that what Chelsea brings to this table is pretty unique. And, um, again, like I said, 13 points, 12 assists, season high, 12 assists, 13-point win for this team. This team is rolling right now. And Indiana is still in town. They will lock horns tonight at 7 p.m. I'm headed to that game after I leave here from the Michelob Ultra Arena. Um, I already said 7 p.m., right? Yep, 7 p.m. Las Vegas. Las Vegas is riding a four-game win streak currently. And this game, this next game against Indiana will be the second of a five-game homestand. We shall see what happens tonight from the house. Uh, WNBA starters, starters rather, for the All-Star game were announced. 
Uh, Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart are captains once again. Las Vegas Aces, Chelsea Gray and Jackie Young are on the ballot. Well, not even the ballot, on the on the uh, bill, rather. Seattle Storm Guard, Jewel Lloyd. You have Dallas Wings, Satu, excuse me, Satu Sabali, along with Enrique Agumbawale. Neko Ogumake of the Los Angeles Sparks, and you have Brittany Griner of the Phoenix Mercury. The Phoenix Mercury actually just let go of their head coach. Um, it's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, not a great start for them. And I beg the question if anybody, and I think I need to Google it again. I beg the question if anybody could tell me wh- or answer my question from a week ago. Uh, what is going on with Skylar Diggins-Smith? I mean, is she still playing right now? I don't. I don't think she's playing right now. I don't know because she was with she she's, she was with Dallas, and then she had some issues in Dallas. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I remember with her time in Dallas, which I thought was was really strange. Um, Harrison Barnes was there at the time too. She had like called out Harrison Barnes for like no reason, and um, you know Harrison, Harrison Barnes is a, is a huge supporter of the WNBA. And uh, I'm paraphrasing her quote a little bit, but um, it was talking about, you know, the, the pay difference in the WNBA and mm-hmm. the NBA. And she was oh. like, we got we got dudes like Harrison Barnes. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, um, making $27, $26 million a year. And I was like, come on now. <laughs> and I was like, you don't got to. You don't got to do that. I mean, that, that dude playing in the same city as you, that dude, you know, is a supporter, you know, a supporter of your league. Um, I thought personally. You know, that's just my take on it. I thought that was kind of lame. It's uh, funny that you bring that up that. because that's what people have rumbled about for the last couple months, I guess yeah. years. I don't want to say years. I don't want to put that on her. At least years and some change yeah. about her and Phoenix. Uh, we were at that game in Las Vegas where her and, and Diana Taurasi got into it. And I just think it like certain things are like the final nail. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean for the league. Uh, there, there are some final nails for the league as well. But I remember specifically Diana Taurasi kind of shooing her away at first. And then I remember her kind of looked at her and she said something like, well, okay, why don't you whatever. And then I don't know what Skylar said. And I watched DT stand up and I watched her blow up. Ever since then, it hasn't been all right in Phoenix. Yeah. And I think Coach Nygaard, Vanessa Nygaard, if I recall correctly, I, I hope I got her, na- her last name right, I think she fell on the sword. Like, Well, she was pushed on the sword, rather. And I know we're talking about a lot of other teams, but this is what happens when you get to all-star time. You get to kind of peek around the league, right? And yes, they are WNBA's worst. That team has a lot more locker room turmoil than than than, than, as, than it's being uh, admitted. First of all, yeah, and I mean, I, I also don't think it's being reported on. Like, I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. But I, I, I've said it before, especially with somebody that you mentioned before too, and somebody that we've mentioned just with this with this list. I I look at Seattle, and I look at Jewel Lloyd. And I have wanted to start this campaign, and I'm ready to start it. Save Jewel Lloyd. Like, just rescue her. Get her the hell out of Seattle. Only because I just think it's a little unfair. It's almost a Kevin Love treatment. Like, everybody else got out of Cleveland, and you looked at Kevin and was like, 
Oh, <laughs> like y'all left it, and that's what I feel about Jewel. That's kind of foul. Y'all left her. So you think you think Indiana? I didn't want to say it earlier, but when you said Alyssa <laughs> Smith, I, I, I thought about Seattle and was like, yeah, well, if I want a star. Coming full circle now. If I want a star, you know, maybe, maybe Alyssa can be that star for me. If I'm Indy, I'm not giving her up. That's the only thing. But, yes, I want Jewel, so let's yeah. talk. But I, I, I look at Phoenix. And if you want to get anything out of Diana Taurasi in these last couple of years, I understand she's not playing right now or just missed the game. I I would look at Skylar Diggins Smith, and it's probably not going to be a, a, a one for one. But Skylar in a pick, Skylar a pick in a pick swap. Like I don't. What do you want? Because I'm looking at Jewel, and maybe Jewel DT and Diana Taurasi or and uh, Brittany Griner is a little more appealing than Skylar Diggins Smith not playing. I think Phoenix is in a. Their team is not particularly young. I think they're in a position where they. I think they need to go rebuild. Um, mm. I don't. I don't know as great of a player as, as as Lloyd is. I don't know if that's a that's an easy fix for them. That's certainly a great player um, to have in your locker room, but you know, I think their problems are 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 beyond uh, who's head coach and and, and Diggin Smith. Uh, there's clearly a lot more uh, wrong with that team, and I think the best the best route to go down is to, to trade for picks, not trade your picks away. That's just my opinion. I'm not mad at you. Yeah, I'm not mad nah, at you. I think I think the I, I do think Drew could fix it only because again it's a twelve team. League. You don't you don't want to be like the other Phoenix team and not have control over your pick till two thousand thirty one. <laughs> so Which is what I was about to get to because yeah. they, they are under new ownership, right? Robert right. Sarver is no longer the owner of the Phoenix Mercury, the Phoenix Suns, whatever the hell else he owned. Um because of that it leads me to kind of give a little bit more credence to everything you're saying because it's just, it, it makes sense, right? If right. I'm man, I want my own people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you thinking they take the same route as the, the Phoenix Suns are taking or are you thinking? That's the scary part because yeah. the, the funny thing is, based on what you said, like, and I, and this is what, what debate shows, not even debate shows because I don't necessarily consider this a debate show even though we debate a lot. Um, that's what's good about sports shows because you kind of brought me around to your side of the table, but the scary part is I feel like they might take my route. No, like, I, th- I think I think bringing that up, I think you're right. Um, considering what he's what he's done with the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. and kind of in professional sports in general, just not in the WNBA, not only just in the NBA, even in the NFL, uh, and even in the NHL, you're seeing teams kind of not hoard their picks or protect their picks as they kind of used to before. Absolutely. Um, if they know that they can go out and contend for a championship and get a championship, they don't give it. Excuse my language. They don't give a damn about those picks. So. Um, they very well could take that route. I mean, he owns. He just became the owner of the Phoenix Suns, and within a a short four month time span, he trades a majority of his draft capital and young players for two superstars and Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant. So, um, if it's on the table, he very well could take that same route. Um, I'm just saying, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't go that route. I feel like they're in a much different position um, than the Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. and I feel like the route they need to go down is to acquire picks rather than give them away i i don't think they're an easy fix because you look at you bring up you know what the phoenix suns have done the phoenix suns kind of needed some superstars in the locker room chris paul as great as he is is was kind of getting to that age right. and you know mikhail mikhail bridges and cam johnson are both great players but you know how long is book devin booker going to be patient with them i mean let's be real here both those guys are good players but you want to keep devin book out of out of the three of the names I just listed, absolutely. Uh, you want to keep him happy. So what do we what do we got to do to keep him happy? And um, the, the the Suns exactly weren't in turmoil. I feel like this Phoenix team is is kind of in turmoil right now. And the the, the best 
route to go is to to blow it up. They're not like they're in my opinion they're not a piece away. They're they got to go. Yeah, they got to go under you know a little bit of a refurbishment to get to that to get to that position. So, but to your point, they could very well take the same route. I just think that they should go the rebuild route. I, I think. This is why I said it scares me about what they do. I stand behind the Jewel Lloyd thing only because I think Jewel can obviously and I think I think what they need, even when DT gets back, they need somebody that and I get Skyler was that in, in moments. And maybe maybe it'll just be a, a souped up version of Skyler, but they need somebody that similar to LeBron at this stage of their career that can kind of take the load off. That can kind of go and get go and get you a bucket. My what makes it scary to me is if they don't get Jewel Lloyd and they still are like, intent on getting somebody. Uh does Arike and Gumba Wale flip, fit there? Just an idea. I think so. I'm I'm gonna flip I'm gonna flip back though and I got another question for you. Okay. So you said they they should trade a draft pick for Lloyd. Mhm. Thinking like first round next year. Unfortunately. I, I forgot I'm not alive, unfortunately. You think um do you think that pick is giving up that pick is worth the shot of possibly missing out on a on a Caitlin Clark or a or a um, I'm for blinking on the woman's name from uh, LSU Angel Reese? Yes, Angel Reese. You think you think uh, do you think that's worth losing out on those two players? I mean, because they're eligible next year, aren't they? I know yeah, Caitlin I believe is. so. I know Caitlin for sure is. I mean, I feel like she'll. I mean, we'll have to see what. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming probably gonna get another duel between right. these two in the NCAA tournament. Um, so we'll see how that goes between them, but. I feel like those two are going to be at the top of a lot of draft boards. Do you think giving up that pick is worth, or do you give up a pick in in 2025? If you can get them to bite on a pick from 2025, yeah. obviously that's that's what you want to lead with. Um, I, I just don't think, and again, this is all throwing stuff at a wall, but I don't think that Seattle even entertains a Skylar Diggins Smith for Jewel Lloyd straight up. No, 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 no. So you're gonna have to give us something else. So unless you want to give up a Sophie Cunningham and then kind of still need shooting or need defense or whatever the case may be, if you don't want to start to strip your team anyway, you're gonna have to go picks. If you're a team in the lottery right now in the WNBA, I'm holding on to that. I'm holding on to that 2024 pick for any, for either of those two. Because remember too, and I, I'm trying to remember her last name, but is it's Haley Van? Is it? What is it? What is her? What is the last part of her name? It's bothering the hell out of me. I apologize so much, Haley. Um, I think she's gonna be the best player out of the draft. So maybe that first overall pick, second overall pick, I think it's gonna be might not be the difference. I think Caitlin Clark may be next. I think, I think Angel Reese will be the best player. Really? However, I think the player that's gonna contribute right away is gonna be Caitlin Clark, and. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's very similar to this this year's draft class. You look at the fact that that Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller are considered, you know, consolation prizes or however you want to list it, um, is insane. Those those guys in any other year are going to be the number one pick. Um, so I, I would hold on to it until the lottery's done with. I mean, you don't want to. I mean, we just listed three names uh, that could definitely change the direction of your franchise and. Um, I don't. I wouldn't really give up on it right now. I mean, I would give up on those picks for for Asia Wilson. <laughs> right. <laughs> Asia Wilson's not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. So, um, or or a Sabrina maybe, but yeah. she's not going anywhere anytime soon. So, I, I would hold on to him for now. I, I would vouch him on a rookie deal too. Right. I, I would. I would push for that twenty twenty five pick, and if they're not buying, then I'd say you know what, I'm gonna hold on to it, and we're gonna we're gonna start this rebuild. I like the way you think. I'm not. I'm not too mad at that take. 
Um, here's where I want to take this basketball conversation, and then we got some baseball to get to, and then we'll end with some football talk. Um, so this is fun. Yes, this, this was the All Star, right? This yes. Okay. So this was fun I'll, because I haven't told Joey. What this was. And typically, I, I tell you guys all the time, I hate doing this to people. By the way, the All-Star Reserves will be re- announced on July 8th. All-Star Weekend is the week after. So All-Star Weekend is Friday, July 14th. Happy birthday. Happy heavenly birthday to my grandmother, to my to my big mama for, on that day. Uh, and then the day after, Saturday, July 15th. I only thing I asked Joey before the show was confirming that he was born and raised here in Vegas. Correct. And you said yes. This is where I want to take this conversation that you have no idea where I'm going. Right, man. I'm ready. Let's talk about the city of Las Vegas hosting All-Star Games. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Ever since I got here in 2017, anytime Summer League happens, anytime when the Raiders got announced to come out here, whatever the case may be, everybody points to the NBA's All-Star Weekend in 2007. You just took a deep breath, and the blink took an extra two seconds. I was told by many people that that's why Vegas hasn't hosted another one, because it took the city so long to recover. This All-Star Weekend is here. The Pro Bowl has been here for the past couple of years. I have said before this town gets an NBA team, it will need to host another All-Star Weekend. Maybe not because you have the Super Bowl now, you have the Final Four now, so now you have some different some different variances to kind of throw in there. But with All-Star Weekend here in Vegas, I want you to address that 2007 situation, kind of give people a little bit of background on it because I, I heard it was bad. I was five when it happened, so I don't, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> this is great. too much of what happened, but I know um, there were a lot of problems on the strip. You could put one and two together, right. uh, what those problems probably were, and there was all, obviously issues. Uh, is my favorite arena. I'm a little biased, but there was obviously issues with the Thomas and Mac. Right. Uh, Thomas and Mac is not exactly, you know, I guess in, in the size or in, in seating capacity, it could be qualifies an NBA arena, but it's not an NBA arena. I mean, if you've been in the Thomas and Mac, it's, it's not an NBA arena. Um, so those those were kind of the two big issues um, with that. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about what happened, but again, put one and two on the right. what's going on on the strip and uh, the arena issues. To your point, um, do you think Vegas needs to host another All-Star game? To, to I do. I do just to prove to the NBA. Because, again, like I said, I, I, do I think if they don't get it that, like, the NBA is going to be like, okay, screw it, we're not bringing the team here. Yeah. Like, they're, they're already going to do it. Right. However, I just think that, you know what it is? It's almost like a fighter and, and like, like a certain whatever on their record. Like, a lot of people, you're ne- Canelo's never going to get that Floyd fight again, right? right? But a lot of people may look at that and say, oh, the, you know, I'll give you guys a better one. Sugar Ray Leonard, in my opinion, the greatest boxer. Of all time, just because of resume, whatever the case, fought everybody he was supposed to, whatever the case may be. Didn't fight Marvin Hagler twice. He beat Marvin the first time, but people were kind of on the fence. Yeah, he didn't fight him a second time. So there were some people that were like, you know, that's that's you got to go fix that. And I kind of look at Vegas the same way. Yes, the Pro Bowl has done great. Yes, the WNBA All Star Game is great. Yes, the Aces. Yes, the Knights. The parade. Cool, but the NBA is the NBA. 
I think you need to undo that blemish. And with it, with, with the two points that you just said, the, I'm going to start backwards. The second point, we got the T-Mobile. Now they're, they're building they, the sphere. Yeah, they want. They now wanna, they're building a million different things. Yeah, they want to build another arena with the uh, uh, Oakview Group, I believe. Uh, they want to put a group. Uh, I mean, not, not a group. They want to put an arena uh, <laughs> right across the. Uh, put them right outside. Yeah, they want to put the. Uh, I believe right across the outlet mall. I believe that's the spot. I haven't heard the location. Yeah, I somewhere, somewhere in that area. Um, but yeah, now now you have the facilities here right. in Las Vegas, and also I think I think Vegas is a completely different city. And that goes back to your first point. Vegas has grown so much, which yeah. is why I feel like if they throw another, which is why when I bring it up, because people remember what happened. Most people are like, I'm talking people who high ranking people in the city. If you bring it up, their first response is, "Hell no." You talk to ten random people on the street, hell no. Yeah. But they wanted they but they want an NBA team. And I think with all due respect to those high ranking officials or, or just people in the city and or the 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 uh paying public, I think you guys need to give the city a little more credit. You guys have grown a lot more. That was more than 15 years ago. I think if you guys entertained and hosted an all-star weekend, I'll put it this way. If Metro can, and I and you guys know how I am, Joey. You've heard me before on this pod, on my podcast. I don't really have to get to it on this radio show, but I'm gonna call a spade a spade. So anytime a cop is wrong, especially in this climate, I'm gonna bring it up. I was I have been very vocal for Metro to keep those two hundred thousand people. There was one fight in front of me. It lasted about fifteen seconds. Cops got him out of there. For them to do that yeah. at that parade. Yeah, I don't think you. I think you guys are underselling your ability to host an All Star Weekend. I think you guys can do it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you from a from a facility facility standpoint and just how different of a city Vegas is. I think Vegas can host another All Star game, and I don't think not much would go wrong. I mean, you look at what we've done since we've hosted multiple WNBA All Star games. We've hosted uh, two Pro Bowls. We've hosted an NHL All Star game here, um, and you you look at. The NBA still has, has kept its presence in Las Vegas, uh, even though kind of that whole incident with the All-Star game, the, the Summer League has continued, mm-hmm. uh, summer in and summer out. And another thing about the Summer League, this is going to sound a little bit silly, um, in, it, in a way it's kind of turned into a All-Star weekend atmosphere, if that makes sense. It, the, it the, does. The keep first, going, keep the, going, keep going. The first going. five days of it, you getting everyone from ESPN coming down. They got a whole um, a booth set up right there on the uh, like the it's right the side of the yeah the yep. right riser on the right side of the Thomas and Mack Center. Absolutely. Um, you've got superstars coming in and out. You've got Jason Tatum, LeBron James, KD, uh, Damian Lillard all sitting courtside. Um, they're they're hanging out in Vegas for the weekend. Um, they're practicing at Clark. I remember last year, James Harden was practicing at Clark high school. Um, you know, LeBron is going to all these AU games with, with, with Bronny and stuff. So T Mac was at the rec center yeah. at UNLV's campus. Right. <laughs> so it, it, in a way it is turned without the game itself, it's turned into an all-star game kind of atmosphere. You have pretty much the whole league and, uh, past and present, uh, in the city for I feel like the first five six days and then everyone kind of starts resting all the players. Thank people you for are telling the, the truth. But because uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in the city think I'm lying. Like I tell you guys all the time, I'm uh, or out of the city. I tell them all the time, I'm 100 percent serious. The first day of summer league, maybe the second most popular day, easily. Not even it's, close. It's, it's always not the fir- even close. Always the first weekend. That's so, why LeBron shows up day three four ish. Yeah. 
and as you just said, look look at any summer league game day six and after the stands look a little different. You go you go the first weekend, you regardless of who's on the floor, you feel like you're at an actual NBA game. You feel like you're 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 there. You maybe even a playoff game sometimes. You go the next weekend. You feel like you're at the Tarkanian Classic at Bishop Gorman High School, <laughs> so that's the difference in weekends. For it does exist, but but yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think Vegas needs to, and I know that's not what you were saying, but I don't think Vegas needs to host another one to prove it. Um, but I think we could host another one, and I think, that is kind of what I was saying. Oh, you you think we got to host another one to prove it? I mean, like I said before, do I think you guys have to host it from a standpoint of like? Of like, uh, you guys won't get a team because of it. No, yeah. My personal feelings, like that's why I brought up, brought up like the kind of the, the boxing record. If the boxer feels fine about it, if you guys feel fine about never hosting one again, I, I'll, I'll put it this way: I promise you, once the team gets here, especially if they're successful, because especially sports happen, life happens. If they're successful to the point to where like they're competing for a championship type, Vegas is going to get picked to host one anyway. Or they're going to want to pick Vegas to do it anyway. Yeah. So I think Vegas is is going to be more open to it. To your point, it probably won't happen until they get a team, yeah. which makes it a little more obvious if that was the case. Because also since Vegas, they really haven't they haven't given it to it. I think Vegas the might only have been one. one of the, yeah the only one to host an All Star game with, without having a team, and I think that's the path they're kind of continuing down, and also a path they're going down, which I was against at first. But I'd like now, not to get too far off topic, mm-hmm. is they're giving the All-Star game to a lot of smaller market cities. Indiana, Cleveland. Salt Lake City. And Salt Lake I, City. I, I was really against it. And I was like, man, this is – I feel like the All-Star game should be a rotation of, you know, L.A., Miami, New York, Chicago. You know, you can kind of pinpoint the big right. cities that, that have NBA teams. Um, until this year when I went to go watch the Celtics and Jazz in Salt Lake City. Hmm. And that was about two weeks after the All-Star game. And seeing still, two weeks after that game had already played, how much hosting that game meant to that community and how much it grows uh, the league in the sport when hosting it in these smaller market cities, I think they should continue doing it. Like, you look around Salt Lake City and there's there's murals downtown um, that I was there a year prior had not seen before. And then you look through all the stores in the, the main mall of just about – a mile, <clears throat> half a mile, a mile away from the arena, every single store has this. These all these all star uh, Salt Lake City All Star Game, Salt Lake City All Star Game, and even in the arena, still all over the place. And I like it, you know. I, for I, sure, I, I, I think, um, you know, for sure, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, Salt Lake City, you know, wasn't viewed as an ideal NBA destination, and the NBA or the league itself might have been not even been the most popular uh, league in the in the in the city, and. You go to Utah now, everyone there are, are Utah Jazz fans. And right. We obviously know how big Indi- basketball is in the state of Indiana because of the uh, the Hoosiers. Um, I like kind of taking the path and going down these these smaller cities because it helps it helps grow that market a lot. I'm really happy that you brought up the Indiana point because me growing up a Pacer fan. Yeah. Like I keep forgetting you're a Pacer I'm not fan. Gonna, you're, the, you're the only Pacer fan I know. Which is why <laughs> if, if the Pacers ever win it, I better – me and Mike Epps. I've said it before. Yeah. It better be me and Mike Epps at the parade. <laughs> like, everybody else in Indiana and me and Mike Epps. That's it. That's it. I don't want to see anybody else. I've never even met another Pacer fan. Like, that's it. I'm so serious about it. So, yeah. uh, going back to... Uh, what point were we making right now? What point? What was the last point you just made? Oh, Indiana. Yeah. Um, 
even with myself growing up a Pacer fan, you know how the NBA releases their uh, all-star schedule in the sense of the next three cities, right? Yeah. When they did that, and it was... It might have been you. Might, yeah, it might have been that. might have been Cleveland, Indy, and, and Salt Lake City. I looked at the list, and I said, Indy? <laughs> and I was like, are you guys, wait... And I went back up. I said, this isn't this isn't the NBA. Like, this can't be the... No, this is the NBA. Yeah. All right, cool. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that because I also heard, and I, obviously I haven't been, but I heard from people in Toronto what that All-Star game meant to them. And especially for it to be Kobe's last one, like, a lot of things kind of took kind of kind of kind of took a an extra story long uh, storyline and it kind of grew legs of its own but I, i've kind of heard that as well and that's not necessarily a smaller city but it's not a city that you think of when you think about hosting an all-star game right. and i promise you especially if the players have input that is now going to be a city that oh, they, yeah. they they frequent pretty often I mean, you ask players around the league and they're they're one of their every single one of them they say their favorite cities to, cities to visit is toronto is always in that list no matter who you ask um, but, but but back to the main point. I mean, I think I think you're right. Vegas at some point will host another All Star game, and I think it'll go a lot more, a lot more smoother uh, than it did in 2007. Um, but I will disagree with you in the sense that I don't think they need to host one um, to get a team or to kind mm-hmm. of show that we can support it. I mean, I think Vegas uh, again is a much different city than it was uh, 16 years ago, and seeing what we've been able to host. Uh, in Las Vegas since then and what's gone off without a hitch since then, um, I don't think we need to prove that. I mean, you, you look at the Pro Bowl and the, the Pro Bowl, you know, I don't know, from a personnel and staff and player standpoint, right. is much larger than the All-Star game. And the fact that the only incident was the Alvin Kamara thing, right? I think I think it speaks volumes. And, um, and not even that. Everything that you just said is absolutely true because of what I just said before. Right. You just said it before. The Super Bowl, the NCAA tournament, uh, now we're going to get the Final Four, right? Formula One. Formula One, right. I I think the Super Bowl trumps all. And this is why I said I don't think you guys need it. It's kind of my just the way I'm built to say I feel like you guys should do it again. It's it's kind of a pride thing for me personally because the way it hit Vegas – it, the way people made it seem like it hit Vegas, and I don't want to downplay it, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know when um, people in New York kind of laugh at people from uh, in the South that get a couple inches of snow, yeah, and the city is like shut down. They're not built for that, you know what I mean? So they they that's just the way that they're gonna get hit by it, and I think that's what happened to Vegas in 2007. Like I think you guys were kind of looking like how the hell were we supposed to know that it was going to hit us this hard? Yeah. And now that's why I feel like you guys are because you're more prepared for it. Maybe you don't need to do it, but yeah. I think that's why it would go off without a hitch. And I think Vegas would kind of poke their chest out like this is easy. But the reason why I feel like I'm not married to the point is because of the Super Bowl. Right. I've learned, especially in this field, and I'm sure you have too. I even t- again, I even told my uh, my OG Steve Weish. Oh, now that I'm behind the scenes, oh, football is king, and it's not close. Anybody that wants to have an argument with me today, I will not dignify it. It's not close. Like, I've seen it. What do you mean in the sense of football is king? The fandom. The fandom. In the States, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. In the States. Like, that's why it's not even close. So, when people in Europe talk about soccer, I believe you. Yeah. I believe the hell out of you. 
because I didn't get it. Like I understood it, but or I believe that I understood it until I covered the Raiders. Until I seen how credentials work with the, with the NFL. Until I seen the Super Bowl, and it was like, oh, yeah, this all these other sports. Respectfully to all these other leagues, you're not them. Yeah, and I think respectfully, that's why I, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not married to the point. I do think it was something valid to to mention, but I'm not married to it because if you guys are able to host a Super Bowl without a hitch. You can host an all-star game. I think the issue is it won't be without a hitch. That's the only issue. I don't think any Super Bowl happens without a hitch. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, there's and it being Vegas too, like for stuff, sure. Stuff gonna happen. Um, but I mean, can you minimize it? And I think that's the big point. And I think I think we'll be able to minimize it. I mean, again, not to not to sound like a broken record. We've hosted a lot of things and to that two thousand seven point, like that was kind of Vegas's first I feel like the real f- first legit shot. You know right. what I mean? Like like I'm trying to think. You hadn't hosted an NCAA tournament before. Uh, you hosted the Summer League. The Summer League was nowhere near what it is now. The Summer League only used to be like eight teams, and then it was like 14, and then it Talk was 24. About it. So the All-Star game for sure was like the first legitimate uh, major league event to come to Vegas. And uh, and you guys did a great job just as somebody who, on the outside looking in, on a, on a complete, in a completely different state, I didn't know that it hit you guys this hard until I got here. So you guys did a great job of putting I, I, on the performance because it looked it looked amazing to me. Yeah, I didn't even know I didn't even know until I grew up, honestly. Because <laughs> I remember going to that that uh, Raising Canes on Las Vegas Boulevard and seeing the uh, the little All Star post poster plaque thing mm-hmm. up there, and I'm like, man, that's so cool. We hosted an All Star game. How like how come it didn't come back? And then growing up and learning more about <laughs> learning a little bit more about it, I'm like, oh, okay. That's why. That's why I didn't come back. That's why the NBA is a little bit hesitant to to put a team here. Oh, that's why that people thought the NHL and the NFL is going to be a disaster here. Absolutely. That makes sense. So growing up and learning about it, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, that makes sense. But, you know, um, at the time and, and, and before I knew about it, I was like, man, what? like that's so weird. We just got one game, and you know that was. And then it. they just ran away from us. Yeah, come on now. Like, they, I they, think they, you guys ran away from the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that. Um, you talked about summer league, and this is the last basketball point that I want to bring up. I just really think it's worth noting. Um, you talked about summer league in a way that it's almost like an all star atmosphere. You've been in the building. I'm sh- I'm, I'm pr- almost pretty sure when LeBron has walked in before. Yes. There's a certain energy in the building. You hear it. You feel it. Everyone stands up, pulls out their phone, and is looking right. towards where he's going to sit. Right. And I had a moment a couple of years ago where I got that same feel from the building, and I looked up, and I said, Bron's not here. Who are you guys doing that for? And I'm trying to pay attention to everybody in the crowd and try to, like, zero in where they're looking. If I gave you a million guesses, brother, I don't think you would guess this person. Is he a basketball player? He is a basketball player. What te- Do you remember what teams are playing? San Antonio, L.A., and I don't want to give you another one. Uh, San Antonio, L.A., and Dallas. Dirk? No. Oh, no. I mean, no, I mean, oh, this person played for all three of those teams. Oh, you played for all three. Oh, okay. Yeah. These are, I thought you were saying who, was, who nope. was playing in the game. Played all three of those teams. Oh, the game, I don't remember. Dennis Robin? You smoked that. Okay. Whoa, you smoked that. <laughs> no, 100%, bro. And I, I tell that story every chance I get. There is one feeling in the building when LeBron James walks in. The fact that Dennis Robin commanded that room like that, I was like, Yo, that is somebody different. 
I, also like what he's done outside of basketball too. Hundred um, percent. I think that has a lot to do with that. I think a lot of people know who Dennis Rodman is, and it may not be because of basketball. Exactly. You look in recent years, you know, the the trips up to North Korea, and 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 obviously, I think the uh, the Bulls documentary helped uh, expand his popularity a little bit. I mean, For you sure. you go into stores now, clothing stores, and there's there's Dennis Rodman tees. I own a couple of them. But, I got, I got you know, one for sure. Exactly. There's, there's like you go to like a like a Vans or or a Zoomies and like there's Dennis Rodman tees in there and they don't have that for any other player. Right. Um, so for sure. I mean, it to, having it roll off your tongue and saying like, oh, Dennis Rodman walked in Thomas and Matt walking to Thomas and Mack Center and then everyone got up on their feet and there was an ovation sounds a little bit silly, but kind of thinking about the presence he's had in especially in the last couple of years you know when you think about the legend that he is here in vegas (laughs) like you better you better appreciate that legend that just walked in no but in all seriousness uh i didn't want to give you chicago because that would have absolutely gave it away but once i gave you san antonio in la i was like maybe i could throw a ring a a monkey wrench in and throw dallas in once i said dallas you were like oh i know exactly yeah if you if you I would not have guessed. I would not have guessed Dennis Rodman. If um, I said San Antonio and LA and just no. left it there. So like my my first guess was going to be Lavar Ball. <laughs> I was going to say like Robert Ory could have been there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Lavar Ball because um, I didn't know if it was a player or not. So because mm-hmm. I, I remember I went to uh, Lonzo Summer League. They're playing the Kings, and I remember it, it was nowhere near the scale of of LeBron. But right. I remember Lavar Ball walking in and and taking a seat and everyone's standing up and, and hollering at LeVar Ball. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe. I was there the year after. I think I moved out here the year after. And yeah. Lonzo, similar to what you just said, Lonzo walked in the building. Yeah. And I heard a pop and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, what just happened? Then I saw Lonzo and was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But it was the entire Ball family. Like you said, they're, they're, they're definitely uh, loved out here. Um, Wow, man. You know what's funny about radio? Uh, It's not as many parameters as... TV, and I swear I want to just talk about Dennis Rodman the rest of the show. <laughs> like I just, if we could just dedicate the rest of the show hey, to Dennis man. Rodman, even, I swear I would. Even even when we got on conspiracy theories, I wanted to just derail a little bit, go on, go on some <laughs> some conspiracy theories. We we got to have you back on Thursday show so we can actually do it. Like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna skip one of these Thursday shows and show up and be like, yes, yeah, so now that everybody's gone, <laughs> we're gonna talk about conspiracy <laughs> theories. Actually, uh, no, but let, let's talk about a little bit about some baseball. Let's talk football and let's get out of here. Uh, the Las Vegas Aviators, they won two of five against the Oklahoma City Dodgers in Oklahoma City. The reason why I said it that way is because they picked up two wins in their last three games. One game was canceled due to inclement weather. Uh, the Aviators have not won a series since May. The series was May 9th to May 14th. They haven't won a series since then. They split a couple and they've lost some. But they haven't won a series in over a month. I was thinking, like, oh, they haven't won a series against the Dodgers. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, they haven't won a series in a month, in over a month. And, and the thing is, when I'm typing these stories and I'm writing them out and I'm, and I'm obviously looking at trends and looking at things like that, everybody probably even listening to this had the same reaction you just had. It hasn't felt like that. They're, they're, they're going down the path of the... Uh, their father team, the uh, the athletics. <laughs> Who we're getting to next. And uh, that eight-game win streak, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, because it followed up with what well, last I checked, they're on an eight-game losing streak. I don't hey, know where they're at right now. There you go. <laughs> right at eight? No, no, I think they won once and now they're on a two-game losing streak. Oh, okay. So they they, they, they stopped. The, so they have one win in their last like 13 games? Yeah, <laughs> Something games. like that. So 
Not not a good look right now. No. But these aviators, they're, they're 34 and 40. So. You're six below 500. Right. Which means there was a stretch where you guys were doing good. And I think they actually had won five straight games at one point. They had won a couple of series back to back. That's why it doesn't feel like it. Like I, re- I literally remember, may have been last year, everybody in the press box, just the people that I was talking to, interviews, whatever the case may be, um, literally a middle of the road team. I remember talking to Russ Langer, Matt Neverett, shout out to the guys, uh, announcers for the team. And last season, we were like, I, I would ask them, try to pick their brain. Hey, how do you feel about this? How you feel about this? Do you feel like you got a grasp on our bullpen? Whatever. Yeah. All year, everybody. I don't know. I don't really know. It it feels like they've just been a middle of the road team since, with the ex- with the exception of the first year at the ballpark because uh, they made the playoffs that year. Twenty nineteen. Yep. I think they got bounced pretty early, but they right away. They, they were yeah. They they were pretty solid throughout the entire year. I think they were at least the top of their division. Or, or they won it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they got they got bounced in the first round, but since that year, it just feels like they've been just middle of the pack. Um, 34, 40, 5 below, 5, 5 above, 500 kind of Talk about team. it. So The COVID year, obviously there was no minor league baseball at all, right? Yeah. So the COVID year, the team, the organization lost Jorge Mateo. And I have this video in my phone. I've showed Don Logan. I've showed Jorge myself. Jorge went to Baltimore, by the way. Tell me how Baltimore is doing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and he's like... He was on the opening day roster. He's an everyday starter. Like, this is like a real thing. So I had this video on my phone, and Don Logan loves it. And um, there's a video of the 2019 celebration. We're in the locker room. I'm going around with my camera, kind of trying to catch certain moments, whatever the case may be, maybe like five seconds on each person. I get to the um, kind of like the middle of the locker room, Don Logan is trying to get somebody's attention. He has a champagne bottle in his hand. He has champagne all in his eyes. He grabs Jorge Mateo by the shoulder. He turns him around. He wipes off his eyes. He says, you're a big leaguer. And I'm walking through the room. So I hear that, and then I keep moving. I don't know what the rest of that conversation was. But I referenced that a lot. This team had, this organization had a lot of tough decisions to make. Uh, I talked to Grady Fuson, Gary Fuson. Why do I keep saying that? I talked to Gary Fuson, um, August of 2021, maybe, when the team traded for Starling Castro. Why does it Starling Castro? <laughs> Remember Starling Castro? A dog, bro. Wow. What a blast from the past. And that's how we, you know we're getting old, that Starling Castro is a blast from the past. Anyway. Um, uh, the, the 51s and the Cashman Field feels like a... A century ago, to be honest with you, a hundred percent, one hundred. Wait till the spheres is 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 birthed. Yeah, wait till you see that. You're gonna, like, oh, T-Mobile. I remember T-Mobile. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what's gonna happen. So you look at this franchise, and I talked to them in 2021, and we talked uh, about the the acquisition of Starling Marte and Jesus Lizardo, obviously winning that trade to Miami. And this was this is what was interesting to me because I love teams that are gonna be blunt with you. They told me, hey, we understand that that was a tough decision. We love that kid. He was this, this, that, and the third, whatever the case may be. For lack of a better word, they said, we have a lot more of those tough decisions coming up. And Gary told me, like, verbatim, if we don't win a championship or compete for a championship this year, 
we have tough decisions to make on Matt Olson and Mark Canna. And once he said that, the A's didn't make the postseason. Mark Canna is traded to, I take that back, maybe Matt Olson was traded first to Atlanta. By the way, how is he doing right now? Just leading the major leagues in homers. Actually, he's tied with Shohei now for homers. 26, I think. And I was, you know what's funny? First thing I thought about was Pete Alonzo. He's hurt. Only reason why it's like that. Sorry, Matt, but it, it is what it is. And then Mark Cannon is now a New York Met. So this franchise has let me know, and this is why I'm assuming this is why I have such a, a great relationship with the franchise that I do is because I have tried to kind of get that message across. They've known that this time was coming. These next, well, last year and this year, has been about building the farm system. A lot of people are wondering, well, where's the building? J.P. Sears, that's in the majors right now, unfortunately, that's 0-5, I believe he is. That was a trade from the Yankees. That's one of your key bullpen pieces now. Freddie Tarnock, who's playing for the Aces or for the Aviators this year, that's one of your key bullpen pieces now. The issue is the guys that didn't get traded, that you didn't lose, the, the, the Jorge Mateos, people like that, you have Seth Brown. He's at the major league level. Now those players that you didn't trade in 2019 that were a part of that PCOS winning team, their time is here. They're in the show. So I think this is where the uncomfort kind of sets in. I kind of asked for like an end in sight. Like when do you think that, the, that, a, that a farm system would be built? Ask anybody in baseball how long does it take to build a farm system. I don't know. Depends on what on what I get. Depends on what grows. The problem is I don't see an end in sight for this. Uh, I, mean, I have to agree with you, especially when you have a team like the um, the A's. And uh, I mean, you look at the the whole history, even the recent history of the A's, and um, you know how they've chose to spend their money. And um, I mean, that's kind of the whole. Uh, incident of what's going on in Oakland right now at the moment too. So I kind of agree with that point too. Is you don't know how long that that you don't know when the light of the tunnel is gonna you know when you're gonna see that light of the, at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Somebody I forgot who said it. Maybe it was Bill Burr. He said um, he hates when people use that analogy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Bill Burr. <laughs> one of my favorite comedians. Man. He said. Uh, he said. And you know what's so funny? Like <laughs> I don't like when people say like a joke from a certain comedian and then people want to like attach to you to, attach you to all type of political. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I like my comedians funny. So <laughs> if it's a funny joke, bro, yeah, it's lot, funny. Man. So Bill Burr said he hates when people come up with that analogy. He was like, you know what that light is usually at the end of the tunnel? Train. Just a train. <laughs> like, it, like, so now I, I'm getting excited when I see this light, and it's all about the end right now. Yeah, it might, like, it, it might, it might to that point, it might be it. With the A's, you know, it, it probably is a train. <laughs> it's so. like we, we don't know where this is going. And the crazy thing is, like you said before, you look at 2019 and Fran Reardon and company, they showed you what they can do when they have an that was a team of prospects. Yeah. Jorge Mateo, that's balling right now for the Baltimore Orioles, clearly was yeah. a prospect. The, the issue is I think there is some indecisiveness, and I've said it before. I think what this team needs to do, and I, and I know a lot of people like Tony Kemp. I don't even know how old Tony Kemp is. Let me go ahead and pull it up. But I, I think this team needs to completely sell out and go young. And I, I think every you have to strip the barrel. He's 31. And with all due respect to Tony Kemp. He's 31? Yes. With all due respect to Tony Kemp, 
send him somewhere where he can actually go be productive the way he is for uh, Oakland with somebody else. And I say that because you have Zach Geloff at, at, at the minor league level. You have Tyler Soderstrom at the minor league level. You have Nick Allen that 100% should not be at the minor league level. He just doesn't have a, a major league bat. Here's the issue, Oakland. And I said this to somebody recently. If you have a prospect and he is 100% in one area, which Nick Allen plays shortstop, that is a pretty, pretty prominent position in baseball. If that's your guy, you want to get him up there as soon as possible. Yeah. And if you don't want to get him up there as soon as possible and you slow walk the dog, here's what you can't do. You can't do what you did last year where you caught him up in the middle of the year, let him rock in Oakland the entire year. He rocked it out the entire year, bumps, bruises, whatever the case may be. This year he starts to struggle at the major league level. You send him down to AAA. I'm thinking you send him down two weeks, let him get his mind right. No. It's a couple of series. Then he goes back to the major leagues has a couple of on and off, and now he's back here. We've been dealing with Nick again for maybe a, another month. I told somebody recently, is this your guy or not? Got to make a decision. Because if he played left field, I'm going to be honest with you, dog. I probably don't care. <laughs> I probably don't. But this is your shortstop, and this is somebody who ranks really, really high in your organization. Is this your guy or not? Right. I mean – too much indecisiveness for me. That's where I'm at. It, I'm have to agree with you. Not picking a side is picking a side. I will always say that. I mainly say it about driving. People that don't want to make certain turns, whatever. Not making a decision is making a decision. Hey, you're from California, so you know you know all about that. <laughs> you know the one, and this is so random. Yeah, you know I, one, I hate My brother lives in Inglewood now, and I go out to visit him all the time. But, man. My city has changed, bro. I, I was what in Inglewood, literally. Inglewood. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, sir. No, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. That's how you are, man. Bro, I was there recently, dog. Like, maybe last month. And it's funny, bro. I was sitting in somebody's car, and I was just looking around the city, and I was just like, I miss it, but it's it's changed so much. Bro. It's yeah. so crowded. It's, it's, I didn't think it could get more crowded. So far, the new Clippers Arena into a yeah. dome, and then um, the Forum has kind of gotten a revamp, too. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's, a, it's completely different. You know, so I little... went to that first show at the uh, revamped um, forum. forum. Would you like to know who performed? Uh, let's see. Let's see. I guess the last one. Let's see if I yeah. can get it out of that room. This person used to be... Damn, must I tell you? Nah, that one's going to... I'm not going to embarrass myself. Who, who was it? <laughs> one, all right, I'm going to tell you this. Thing. I'll give you the obvious answer. This person used to be in a boy band. Harry Styles? Okay, wow. So you did <laughs> So you did kind of blow this one. Uh, do it look like I'm going to go see Harry Styles? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, I, I took my ex... No, okay, uh, hold on. Uh, uh, let, 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 let me defend myself here. Tell you why I guessed that. Because every time, you know, on, on social media, I follow a lot of people who are who are big Harry Styles fans. Okay. And, Every time they go to this dude's concert, he is performing at the forum. I don't know how many shows this guy's done at the forum, but I feel like every time someone is at a Harry Styles concert that I that, is I, at the forum. that I went to high school with or that I'm just friends with, he's at he's at the goddamn forum. And so <laughs> that's why I guess you said boy band, so I was like, that's the first thing that came to mind. I'm not mad at the pick. Was, was, was Harry Styles. The only reason why I'm mad at the pick is because of my age. So I'm like, <laughs> no, bro. Like even if I'm dating somebody who was like that and Harry Styles may be around my age, but when he was in in uh, One Direction was taken off, I was working at the movie theater. Yeah. So I'm 19, 20 at the time. I didn't give a damn about One Direction. <laughs> like the movie came out and I worked at the movie theater. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. when I saw their fan base, I was like, bro, I will never listen to One Direction, <laughs> dog. Like I just served a group of nine year olds, bro. Like you know what I mean? So go ahead though. Who who was it? I want to see how far off I was. The answer is Justin Timberlake. 
I mean, you weren't you weren't far off. It was a boy band. Yeah. So like I said, it was interesting because we went for the 2020 experience, and dog, when I tell you he smoked that show, like because when I when I looked at the tickets and I was like, it says the form. So I instantly thought it was fake. I was like, the form is desolate. It's not real. It's I know they just changed the color. <laughs> like, has anybody seen the inside? Oh, it's the it's the Kia. It's the Kia form now. It's not. It's not. Shout to Steve Ballmer. Shout it's to Steve Ballmer. It's the Kia form. And shout to Steve Ballmer also for when he bought. He it. owns it. Yes. How, when he bought the Clippers, he bought that too. That's funny. Like that. That that is that is such a mecca for Los Angeles Lakers basketball, and now it's owned by. <laughs> Which is why my fear was he was going to take the Clippers there, which was my fear. I was like, please don't do that because you're still in their halls. Uh-huh. Like, you got to be careful. And instantly, I think people, I wasn't the only person asking him that. He came out instantly and was like, no, we're going to keep that a music venue. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I was like, I just didn't want you to go back there and think that you were building your own something there because you're not. I tell this in the mat all the time. Steve Ballmer should have moved that team to San Diego or, or uh, Seattle. You would have thought Seattle because he's from there. Ugh. But um, going first off, you go to LA. This is my opinion on LA. Mm-hmm. There are two teams in LA: Dodgers and Dodgers and Lakers. And Lakers. Smart. No man. one else. Ain't nobody give a shit about the Angels. The Kings are a close third. The, yeah, the Kings are a close third. But my my brother is a huge Kings fan, and um, he went to the playoff series with the Edmonton Oilers mm-hmm. this year, and he sent me a photo. And uh, I mean, I won't say a lot, but there were there were a lot of empty seats for a playoff game. There should not have been that many empty Even seats. Even being from L.A., well, by me saying that it was a close third, they're absolutely third for a reason. They yeah. didn't care about them until they started winning. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I have no problem saying that. And, and you look at the Clippers. I've been to um, two Clipper games. One was against the Memphis Grizzlies, which I went to with Matt, and uh, with the Celtics in 2021. Even with the Grizzlies at the time who it was John Morant's rookie season, okay, there were more Memphis Grizzly fans in that arena than L.A. Clipper fans. I went to go see the Celtics play there uh, the year they made the mm-hmm. finals. That was I a know, I know it. That was a Celtics home game. That was TD Garden West. It was a sea of green. <laughs> TD Garden West. It was. I mean, they they was getting booed in their own building. Same they won that game, but they the Clippers were getting booed in their in their own building. So I have a different story about that same. Not building. even in their own building because that's the Lakers building, but yeah. About that same team yeah. in that same building, Boston was in town. It was Isaiah Thomas's MVP esque season. Yeah, MVP chance for the opposing player. <laughs> I said this is such a Clipper thing to do. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, I understand respecting greatness, dog. It's the second quarter. Yeah, it's the second <laughs> quarter. Like he's not shooting free throws. Like he's just on the bench checking in. Like you, why are you guys doing that? The the fan base. Before we move on, the fan base that invades that arena for the Clippers more than any other team besides the Lakers, obviously, this might be a little surprising. Is the Kings? The Kings, not so surprised. The Kings really show out uh, when the when the Kings go play the uh, the Clippers. I mean, there's there were light the beam chants that were loud when they played. I remember watching that game on TV. I think that's was that the was that the game was like 176, 175. I think it was. That is insane. Yeah, but to I get remember, drowned I, out of your own building and the, have the game turn out that way. Yeah, I, I remember watching that game and just you could you could hear it through the TV just echoing loud, light the beam. So. And even in recent years, even when the Kings were were terrible and unwatchable, it's still the same story. Whew. Speaking of same story, uh, <laughs> you, relax, relax, don't. 
when I do my transitions, when y'all laugh, it makes it worse. Like it makes it worse. But yes, we're still talking about bad baseball. I'm, I'm unfortunately, laughing, I'm laughing about how much <laughs> I, I feel like I derail you a lot, and I do it to Matt all the time too. But <laughs> no, you know what's funny? Like I said before, this show. That's why I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like I remember we're talking about baseball, and then we're talking about the, <laughs> the Clippers in the in the forum. No, this is. This is what this show is is made for. I truthfully, like I said before, I love radio for the freeness. Like, yeah. if I had it my way, this show would be Monday through Friday, and it would be four hours a day. Easily. Easily. Right. Just wait. It, it, it still might happen. So just wait for it, guys, because radio, I, I think radio loses its essence if you don't tell, A, personal stories, and if you don't ramble. Right. Those two things completely make the radio show. Uh, we talked about the aviators. Uh, for whatever it's worth, I believe this is similar to, and it's the first time it's happening, but I believe this is similar to uh, the G League before the Winter Showcase. So I believe that records are resetting. Yeah, yeah, word. If that's the case, Wait. if that's the case, just wipe everything clean. They. So I think I know what you're about to ask. They're resetting... Re- re- rephrase that rephrase that Bet. I don't think I need to brother because I think you heard it right yeah so this is the issue I'll know for a fact on Wednesday but maybe maybe a little before but this is what this is what I've been told right now the aviators were tied fourth in the PCOS right the issue was the entire first season first half of the, of the year I was told that similar to like every most teams or most leagues rather are doing like the commissioner cup like the midseason tournament type this was the first half standings is what I was told so what I was told was, you're competing against the league for the first half. So when I heard that, respectfully, the with this record, the Aviators sit nine and a half games behind the Reno Aces in the division. So so on the second half, it's zero zero. Which is what I'm which is what I'm gonna get. Which is what I'm hoping for, or hoping to learn soon. It may be zero zero heading into this final part of this or the second half of the season. It may be now we're only paying attention to whatever the case may be. But that's so crazy. if that's the case, exactly. If that's the case, if you go to the MILB website right now and you go to the PCL, they have ways that you can um that you can itemize the standings. You can have first half, second half, and I forgot what the third one is. So we have a first half one, but when you go to the Pacific Coast League, it's still separated east and west. So I, in a weird way, I kind of hope the records reset. Otherwise, this made no sense. You know, you know what's really was really weird about that is this morning. Uh, <laughs> this is about to be great. This morning, I was talking to um, this dude that comes into my gym all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouldn't say my gym, <laughs> but uh, the gym I work at. Claim it because uh, it's definitely not my gym. But um, his name's Tim Spatheros, and uh, I hope I said his last name right. Really nice dude, but. Uh, we were talking about how how long, obnoxiously long the NHL, NBA, and MLB seasons are. And he told me that he did, I swear to God, he said this this morning. He told me how he did a presentation in college, um, how baseball should be split into the first half and second half of the season. Swear to God, that was a conversation I had just this morning. Really? Swear to God, he told me about that. So that's, well. what, that's, what, that's why I asked again, because that's what threw me off about it. That's what threw me off about it is because... Um, you know, we were just talking about like how, you know, obviously these leagues make the bulk of their money through the regular season because of how so long they are. But right. they got to find a way to make it more meaningful. 
And I was like, you know, the NBA is throwing in a midseason tournament. The WNBA does the Commissioner Cup. Um, the NHL is trying to put a bigger emphasis on rivalry games. Um, so, like, baseball has got to figure it out. And then he told me that he did a presentation in college that um, it's just split it into two halves of the season. Now, uh, my only question is if I'm – so Oklahoma City, they just yeah. played the Dodgers, right? Right. You lose this series 2-5. You lost the first series 1-5. No. Did I say 2-5? No, I'm sorry. You lost this series 2-3. You lost the first series 1-5. So you're 3-8 and eight against this group this year. They run away with the first half. So you're nine and a half against Reno, but the reason or nine and a half back of Reno, but the reason why I wasn't paying attention to that is because nobody was catching the Dodgers. No. They ended the year the first half 50 and 23. So you're not gonna catch them. With that said, if I'm the Dodgers, did I just lock up a playoff spot in the first half? Like I what did I win? Yeah. I gotta know what I won. Yeah, how's this gonna work too? Like, how are we gonna <laughs> How's the first half play the second? What yeah, are, like are we, are, we doing? are we doing a point system? Like, like what happens this? if I win both halves? Yeah, <laughs> am I the one seed? Like, <laughs> do I skip around? Like, yeah. how does this work? So I tr- and, and this you guys know how I how I am. I try to be as honest as possible. I have no idea what's happening. The good thing is we're in the middle of the season, so we can figure it out. Yeah, I guess we'll guess we'll find out if. if <laughs> well, you get six straight games, six straight home games against Red Rock. I said Red Rock? Round Red Rock. Rock. <laughs> Against Round Rock beginning on Wednesday. The Aviator's pretty much playing Red Rock. so <laughs> Literally, Red Rock is the yeah. backdrop. So, yeah. you know oppo- the opposing team? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Terrell. A little too late. A little too late. A little too late. I wish I had a delay button. Anywho. Um, <laughs> he was about to derail again, man. It wasn't my fault that time. <laughs> no, it was 100% mine. That's all mine. Uh, this Round Rock series you begins yourself, on Wednesday. Like I tried, bro, because <laughs> it was about to go really bad. Yeah. On Wednesday, uh, June 28th, Round Rock is in town. That is a part of the second half schedule. That's For the first time this season, the series doesn't start on Tuesday. So that's the first thing I thought about. Yeah. So me and Dick Calvert, we talked about it at the game a couple of weeks ago. Because the schedule is set up like this, you're not starting on a Tuesday. Clearly, this is when the second half of the season starts. But okay, then what? <laughs> like now, what what are we doing from here? Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, pardon. So the Aviators have to worry about that. The Oakland Athletics. They got a whole lot to worry about. <laughs> they got a little bit. Yeah, they got they, they got a little bit more on their plate. Yeah, they got a little more. <laughs> they lost two of three in Toronto after winning the series opener. I believe, as you just said before, do I have their their schedule up? I hope I have their schedule. I do have their schedule up. So one, two, three, four, five, six, Last seven, I checked, eight. They were, they were nineteen and fifty-eight. Were, were are they like twenty and sixty-one now? They are twenty and sixty. Twenty and sixty. They are twenty and sixty. They are forty games under five hundred. That is exactly the way it sounds. They are forty games. I almost said twenty. They are forty games under five hundred. They are one and ten in their last eleven games, and that comes after the seven-game win streak. Yeah, like 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 you said, uh, not too long ago. I mean. Hope they enjoyed it while they had it. Yeah. It's a nice, nice little uh glimmer of hope and then it was just back to reality. But I said it when, when I we had two radio shows, I think, during that time. We had one radio show during that during that win streak. But right. I remember I said it then and I told Oakland fans to to appreciate it and, and to relish in it because again because I've heard from the franchise that they're working on rebuilding that farm system. That means they're going to 
Matt says it perfectly. They are in the stage of checking the back of the cupboard. So they're literally, and this is with all due respect to these players, they're just checking cans to see if they're expired, see if it's good. That's They're emptying out the cupboard. So I think a lot of that testing happens at the major league level, which is why we're seeing what we're seeing. But what are they going to replace it with? That's the thing. And that's that's been the huge criticism of the A's is that yeah. they, they're cheap. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the whole, uh, what this whole fan boycott is, is centered around. Um, you know, Oakland standing up and saying, you know, it has nothing to do with you know, fair weather fans or however you want to label the, the Oakland fan base is that you guys aren't putting your resources into building a championship team. So I think Matt is absolutely right. Um, but now it's like, what, what, what are they going to do after this? Is it, are they just going to restart the same cycle and, and, and keep going and keep going? And hopefully they get like some, some miracle story out of these guys or um, are they finally going to start spending money? And if they do move to Vegas, you know, I love my city. I love that, you know, growing up here. Um, but the A's ain't going to survive if they're not going to be winning games out here. Like, it's going to be the first couple of years already, the majority of ticket sales are going to be coming from opposing fan bases. And that's just how it's going to be. Like, they're, the same thing with the Knights. It was the same thing with the Raiders. Um, the A's are going to have to get in the community and, and, and really get people to fall in love with them. Um, but another way to get some uh, the, the people here in Vegas to fall in love with you is to win games. And if they're not winning games out here, you're going to run into the same problem you're having in Oakland. Uh, a shiny new ballpark is not going to change that. Um, now when you have other shiny new things out here. Yeah, exactly. I hate to say it, but it's yeah. not just like a regular city. No, Las Vegas is one of those premier cities. It's a lot of shiny things out here. No disrespect to Oakland. This this isn't Oakland. There, there are plenty of things to do in Vegas, and there are plenty of other entertainment options, not only just in sports, just in general, uh, that you can go and entertain yourself rather than putting yourself through the misery of watching a – an Oakland A's or soon to be uh, Las Vegas A's game, and just for the for for the record too, um, I don't I think the franchise has done a pretty good job of not doing it. But just if it needs to be said, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there really quick. I don't think it's very smart if the front office were to take shots at Oakland fans. A because just the history of Oakland fans, they're usually there for their team. Um, I don't think you, you you can pull from that. And B, because I think ownership has done a pretty good job of pointing to city officials in Oakland and saying, you guys didn't get us this, you guys didn't get us that. Again, whether they're right or wrong and different, whatever the case may be, I'm sure the city would like for them to open their checkbook more too. I, I just don't think it's smart or wise at any point to take a shot at the Oakland fan base. No. Um like you said, just just how loyal they've been, and I, I feel for you know cities like Oakland and San Diego for sure. And you know the thing that that and I don't think I'm getting off topic, but the thing that <laughs> irks me most is you know these teams leaving really the most most of the time it's not the fans' fault. It is the cheapness of these of these owners, and it, it it's it's insane to me that even here you're asking for three hundred. You're, that billionaires are asking for $300 million of public money to build your stadium. Yep. The A's here would be dope, but nobody's asking for it. No one, no one here is begging for the A's. And I guarantee you, you ask a majority of people in Las Vegas right now, the response will be, eh. A lot of it. Eh. Or a flat out no. Yeah. And, and, and it shouldn't be taxpayers or the citizens 
of Oakland's job to keep the A's there. Um, I know there's a lot more to it than that in terms of finding a, finding a stadium site and all the other stuff that goes into it. Um, but but they naming sh- rights that that yeah. wanting to keep the the province from the naming rights and that being like a hang up for as long as it was. Yeah. I, I talked to somebody recently about it and was like Oakland, especially if you don't want to open your pocketbook, you can't skim off the budget. Like you can't you can't also be like oh well once uh, AEG or whoever the hell State Farm comes along and wants to name this ballpark, we're not giving any money back to the city. The hell you aren't. Yeah, like you're giving something back. Yeah, so. Again, like I said, I think it was just a lot of a lot of penny pension, yes, but it also appears that I mean, for lack of a better term, a lot of people in the city were were, were, were questioning greed. And well, city, hey, man, city of Oakland officials have have, have, have definitely um, at this point you start looking at them because they've definitely botched it on their end too. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at San Diego; all they really lost was the Chargers and. You look at cities like Seattle, all you really lost was, you know, the Sonics. You look at Oakland, and it's not over a long time span. It's been over the past five years you've lost the Warriors. I understand that they only moved across the bay. You those ain't the them. same those ain't the same fans. You watch a a watch a Warriors game, a Warriors playoff game at Oracle, and watch a Warriors playoff game at the Chase Center. Those fans did not sit at Oracle. They stood the whole game. They lost them. It is not the same fans. I understand it's a 25-minute drive without traffic or whatever. They lost the Warriors. You lost the Raiders. And now you're inevitably going to lose the A's. And this has all been within a five-year time span. So absolutely. And, and again, still goes to my point that it's really not the fans' fault. And that's where you kind of feel for them. And same thing in San Diego and same thing in these other cities that I've lost other uh, teams. It's Most of the time, that's where the blame always goes. But it is really never the fans' fault because at the end of the day, you can have professional sports in whatever city. You can't. You who's gonna go out and spend money to watch not only a losing team but just like bottom of the barrel? Like, come on, man! Like on a Wednesday night, you you expect thirty five thousand people to show up to the Coliseum to, to watch them get their ass kicked? Like, come on! At the end of the day, I, I feel like with with fan base with loyal fan bases for sure too uh, probably any fan base you can't if you can't sell them wins you have to sell them promise yeah and i don't mean sell dreams you got to sell them promises and that's what makes minor league baseball so fun like sometimes you are watching a bad team but you're watching a certain player that's bad in 455 and you go he's probably gonna be pretty good like he's, he's probably gonna be pretty damn good so i think that that is kind of where you feel for Oakland because they have rode it out, right? They've been there during the wild card games, right? They've been there during AODS runs. And I think at the end of the day, I do think Oakland has a certain magic that you that, that, it, can, that it can recapture. Going back to what we said before, it I think it's a long way away. And, and I know rebuilds. And I don't think a new city and a new ballpark is going to change much of it. Not right away. And, and I think the scarier part about moving is I think you have to sell – a face to move. Yeah. And I need Oakland to tell me who that face is. Right. And I, I think, you know, you look at the point of of free agency, you know, certainly Vegas is a more uh, attractive destination. But again, you got to, it's not just as simple as, oh, it's Vegas. I want to come play here. You got to, again, we're talking about selling fans on the idea. You got to sell certain players on the idea mm. and to buy into your system. And um, to the point we made, uh, earlier, you got also be willing to spend money 
Now, you, now you're in a much bigger city, a much bigger market, a market that's had a lot more success. Um, there's no excuses now. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens if they move here. Um, but personally, you know, as much as I would like MLB here, I would, I would like to see them stay in Oakland because, you know, you really do feel for um, the city. And I don't think a lot of people understand how, how important professional sports in certain communities are like Oakland. Um, Absolutely. That, that would be, you know, for lack of a better term, pretty much gut-wrenching. Um, to see them lose all three of their teams just just like that, as quick as Thanos snaps his fingers. And I, I think, first of all, I think you smoked that. Uh, I think you smoked that diatribe, to be completely honest with you. I think the city of Oakland appreciates it, and they're going to get another team. I'm not talking about baseball. I, just, I don't know what it is. They're going to get another team. And, again, similar to the athletics future, I just don't know how long it'll take. But – Let's say this team gets a lacrosse team. I think they get a WNBA team. Let's see a yeah, WNBA la- team. Yeah, lacrosse. They're going to support like hell. Yeah. And every t- and the, the Warriors probably won't feel it, right, in that sense because they're still winning championships and things of that nature. But I love the point about the Oracle and Chase because look at the buildings. They are completely different buildings. I'm not going to lie. Ever since they moved to the Chase Center, I understand it's the building, right? But I saw that and was like, oh, I feel like everybody in there works in tech. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Everyone that's, in that, that's what I see. And my brother makes that same point, too. I remember we were watching the finals, and, like, he was like, that arena is just full of a bunch of tech bros. Literally. And that, that, that's Everybody's that's exactly. on their iPad. The, like, the, why? The, the only dude I – and there's dudes falling asleep. How do you fall asleep courtside an NBA game, man? You're watching Steph Curry, dog. What is happening? Like, like but even, even if the game is quote-unquote boring – how in that in an NBA atmosphere do you? How is it possible to even fall asleep? I mean, if you've been to an NBA game, I've, I've been to a, you know, I went to a Utah, I went to a Utah Jazz game. And oh, I, I thought you were to say UNLV. <laughs> but like you know, Utah Jazz really isn't known for like you know the the atmosphere that the Warriors and the, the, the Lakers or the Celtics and Bulls might have. But still, it is it is loud in there. It is loud and it is entertaining, regardless of the product on the court. They do a lot of in-game entertainment to keep you engaged. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't understand it, but yeah, I mean, it, it is completely different. Um, the only person I recognize in that arena is that dude that sits behind the Warriors bench in the Davidson Steph Curry Jersey. Everyone else yep. is just same bunch of tech bros, people a little bit too much money and kind of bored on their Thursday, Saturday night. And they choose to go to a Warriors game. I, I feel like they have business meetings in like the front row. At they the probably Warriors do. Game. I mean, and it's the sickest thing. in the world. It pisses me off. If you've seen, if you've seen the <laughs> renderings, me they, they probably got business meetings in the suites or in some of the clubs. I mean, if you've seen some of the photos at Chase Center, it is, it, it's, it's a beautiful arena. It For really sure. is. But I mean, uh, it's no, it's no Oracle at all. And, and to the point to where I, I know that they want to make the most money possible. Right. And yeah. I always feel this way. Being completely money-driven is, is short-sighted. I do feel that way. Being completely money-driven. Right. I feel like even if you couldn't take all season ticket holders from Oracle, obviously, I feel like you got to take a certain percentage of ticket holders and be like, this is the, the like you said, the Oracle section. Yeah. you got to do something. Yeah, we need you guys. And, and, and I think it would be important to do so. And if, whether you could have only did it for the first season, whether you could, whatever. You gotta extend something to those fan to that to those fans and let them know, hey, expe- like you just said, especially because the Raiders are in Vegas. Uh, Oakland may be moving too. We're twenty five minutes away with no traffic, so maybe even an hour and a half with traffic because we know how nasty it yeah. gets going into a game. 
I, I can I can do season tickets for 40% of you guys. You know what I mean? And new building, whatever the case may be. And then after that, we'll do a discounted rate for the next five. Like whatever, whatever you could do. Being money driven isn't isn't the end all be all for me. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I, I, like again, like I said, I don't even want to keep going on it anymore because you you absolutely killed that. I I do think they will get some. The WNBA interests me. I like that. I think I think Oakland and Toronto will get a WNBA team next. Toronto really showed out when they had that preseason game there. They they sold that place out. You just like you're full of like key point after key point because that I like both of those cities. Yeah, I think Toronto and Oakland would be good spots. Toronto's in the east. Oakland's in the west. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, let's talk football really quick. We probably won't get into UNLV football today, but we will get into some Vegas Nighthawks really quick. Um, They're bad this year, aren't they? This is tough. <laughs> They're pretty bad. Um, I always tell you guys that there is, and I know you guys may say whatever you want about me, but there's a there's a difference between losing. Well, I always say it's not just about losing. It's the way you lose sometimes. And I've been around enough teams to know you come in as an underdog, you lose by whatever. You lose by 10. Say it's football. You lose by 10. You lose by two scores. You may look come out of it looking like, hey, you know what I mean? We, we actually played better than people anticipated. You're still going to be upset with the loss, whatever the case may be. I also think losing a big lead is like a gut, similar to what you just said, a gut-wrenching loss. Um, something that, since we don't do shows often, something that my dad has mentioned before to me, um, and we always had this little debate, I've always asked him, would you rather not get to the postseason or get to the postseason and get blown out? And he always says, I'd rather not go. And I'd always say, I'd rather have an invite to the dance. I'd rather not have a girl to dance with. But I'd rather go. Like it also it also builds the foundation too. That's what I thought. You, you gotta get there. And for me, when I talk about gut wrenching losses and things like that, getting blown out in the postseason in that scenario for me isn't the gut wrencher. Not making it is the gut wrencher. Yeah. So I say that to say this Nighthawk team came into this game four and eight. They're playing a Duke City team that's four and eight. Essentially the losers eliminated. Now The losers eliminated, or, or the yeah, the team is eliminated. Uh, who loses is eliminated, but they're gonna need help anyway, right? Yeah. So you're playing for pride team. at this point, right? And this is a group that has been sliding. They lost five in a row, right? Because they five in a row now, four and four, and they they dropped. And it's I guess five I, I, guess I spoiled the ending to this story. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, well, because by the way, I started it. You kind of know the way it ended, yeah, but. The the issue itself is the story. This I'm gonna say ignite. This uh they play in the Dollar Loan Center, that's why. This Nighthawks team lost this game fifty three to thirty. Now, people may see the score and say, Oh, that's that's a certain that 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 makes them feel a certain way or whatever the case may be. The Nighthawks led this game twenty two to two at one point. That's what, a fifty fifty one uh eight they got outscored? This isn't real life, right? That's bad. 51-8. At one point in time, Duke City scored 38 straight points. Yeah, that's a problem. 
Now, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Stevie Arteague missed, missed a kick, a, a kick that would have tied the game. Head coach Mike Davis was super blunt after the game and essentially was like, you know what I mean? When you're a kicker, you you sign up for this for this pressure. And it did sound a lot like, not even just finger pointing, because he said Stevie's name. So he's talking directly to Stevie. Ironically enough, I had former UNLV Rebel Mike Hughes on the show. He ain't like that. <laughs> he ain't like that. He was like, dog, that's he's on your team. Yeah. I and gotta, it didn't come down to that one play. I got a I got a problem with that too. I don't I, you know, as a coach, the the finger pointing on one player in one specific play, I think is uh lack of a better term, kinda lame. You know, there there's there's so many different aspoy aspects <laughs> aspects of the game and you know, certain plays that that happen, you know, throughout the game that you know, even like in basketball, like you miss a game-winning shot. Like, you didn't lose because of that. There are a lot of other things that led up to that certain point. And the same thing with football. You miss you miss a game-tying or a field goal to take the le- take the lead, and the kicker gets the blame. I mean, what about what about the QB? What about the receiver that made a drop to pass in the in the second quarter? You know, there's there's a lot more that tie into it. Um, <clears throat> you know, what if you weren't even in that position? What if you already had the game closed out by then? So, so you just talked about two things because, it, first of all, you saying you making a correlation to basketball. Yeah, that's the way I led into my question with yeah. Mike Davis. I said, obviously, game winning shots, ba- like basketball, you're gonna yeah. they're, they're made and missed shots. You got to live with them. I told him, I'm assuming in football, it's the exact same thing. But this team has had kicking woes all last year. The kicking woes this year, I don't want to say woes, but they're they're not good numbers. The kicking has been better this year. I think because it's been a step up from last year, we haven't pinpointed how bad the kicking still is the kicking hasn't been great yeah. so when i heard what mike davis has said it, it it goes back to what you said before it goes back to your next point i said well you know before you guys kicked that field goal there was a third and six and or a second and six whatever the hell it was and i mean you guys had one timeout, and you guys opted to kneel i mean maybe you take a shot at the end zone you don't need the field goal like you yeah. know what i mean so i i, I question him about that Daquan you, take a, you take a run and you just get in better position. You get a four yard run and you're four yards closer. Absolutely. Or I think that was on the left hash. Or you run the ball and you do the Bill Belichick trick. Yeah, you run you up just the run center, up the middle. Center the ball. Center the ball. That's it. Yeah. So I, I thought about those that situation. Daquan Neal threw the ball at the goal line for a pick. I may have been a pick six. Could have kneeled and centered the ball. So even take even if it's two yards. Another back, point. Yeah. So I thought about that pick at the goal line, yeah. the decision to throw the ball at the goal line. So I thought about those decisions, and then, I again, I internalized what he said about Stevie a little bit differently. And what I've said, and I've tried to be consistent with it, Mike Davis, to me, been super cordial always. He strikes me as somebody who is doing the head coaching job and the general manager job. When you look at the acquisition of Devontae Sablinch, when you look at the acquisition of Darius Geis, when you look at the 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 re- retaining of Gabe McCoy, the only player to play in every uh, Nighthawk game since its inception, you look at going out and getting Daquan Neal, who's a former league MVP, he's making all the right GM decisions. I'm going to tell Mike Davis this season, I think your time is thinning. I think you are smoking this general manager aspect of it. I know you want to coach. You might have to give the reins up. I've said it before. I've had players talk to me about preparation and how they feel like they weren't properly prepared. Got to take the Dwayne Casey route, what he did with Detroit. (laughs) That's where where you got to head to. 
And, and I think, and I think, especially with you know where I'm headed. You should know where I'm headed, especially with this being a Bill Foley led team. Yeah. Best believe, Bill is going to ask, "Do you need me to get somebody to GM the team or coach the team?" Because I don't, I don't think I want you to do both anymore. Bill Foley, Bill Foley is ah. I'm having trouble speaking today, man. Bill Foley. It's the end of the show. That's what yeah, it is. <laughs> Bill Foley, you know, he's all about winning. You know, look what he's done with uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And even with Henderson, um, you know, they've had some success. And even take away the wins and losses with the with the uh, uh, Henderson Silver Knights, you look at the players that they developed, you know, Logan Thompson and, and whatnot and, and Cody Glass and all those guys. So, um, you know, in a certain way, take out the win and loss aspect, they've, they've produced – a lot of great players for the Vegas Golden Knights, and they've they've developed uh, and done their job and what they needed to do. Absolutely. And going back to your to your point about development, you you look around at the CFL, you look around at the USFL, you look around at the XFL. Yeah. A lot of these former Nighthawks are getting shots, so it goes back to the 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 eye of talent or for talent that Mike Davis has. He has it. Mike Davis had a baby in the middle of the season this year. And obviously, congratulations to him for that. I was at dinner, uh, Mike Hughes' birthday dinner. Gabe McCoy happened to be there, and we were talking, and obviously not necessarily the setting. So it was just kind of small talk, right? And he was like, yeah, we're going to be without without coach uh, this game. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, which coach? And he was like, no, the coach. And I looked at him. Yeah. I said, oh. I said I didn't know that. <laughs> I said I didn't know that. Um, Did you think you got like fired or no? <laughs> okay, no, okay. he told me why. Oh, okay. He told me why, but I was just like, I just didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Because again, I've, I'm telling you what I've been thinking about all season long. So you couple general manager with head coach with father, like it's it's just a lot. And I know as men, we try to just be like, oh yeah, nah, that's just on that's oh add that to the plate, add that to the plate. Yeah. Sometimes plays get heavy. Like, you know what I mean? And when I heard that, I was just like, Mike Davis is he I know people, and again, I know we started with this. People love to joke about how much I'm outside, how much I have to work, how much I whatever. When does Mike Davis sleep? And just from the struggles that I've seen with this with this team, it's, he he's pointed out before. A lot of them are just simple, small. Even moments, key moments, one possession, one point, even. It just feels like it kind of that moment derails the team, and it, it just, and it makes you think, what is the difference? Right. What would be the difference? And like I said, I always get scared when a player comes to me and talks to me about about preparation. It scares the hell out of me. Because if a football team doesn't feel prepared going into a football game, it could be sixty minutes of hell. Yeah. And again, like I said, when that's brought to me, I. My ears perk up. So this team has only been in existence for two years. They, they've they been eliminated from the playoffs this year. They have two more road games to end this year. They will end it with three straight road games. They have two more. They are at Tucson next. Uh, revenge game for, De- for, uh, for Daquan Neal. Uh, that game will take place on Saturday, 7 p.m. Yeah, man. Other than that, we'll, we'll see what happens with this Nighthawk team. As I said before, I, I think that the that they really have the possibility to do. And again, similar to what we said about the WNBA, it's a small league. We've seen teams Bay Area, worst team in the West last year, best team this year in the West. Right. Northern Arizona was a one win team three years ago. They won it all last year. So it, anything can happen it's in very, this league for sure. It's definitely I don't want to say fickle, but for lack of a better term, it's fickle. Sometimes it's easy as flip flip of the switch. So 
Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what needs to happen with Mike Davis. Maybe it's just taking on one of those roles. And I feel like personally, I think he should take on the the GM role and have I think someone so else coming as a coach. Um, but I feel like something as simple as that might might help this team in the long run. I was about to say at the same time too, it might juice the team. Yeah, just because it takes the pressure off him too. I was just about to say too. Respectfully, you you have to make these tough decisions and let these guys know when they're no longer on the roster, and then you're also in there coming up with the game plan. Yeah, you guys know how I am, especially with this media company. I don't want to talk all the time. <laughs> like, there's, I need somebody to run social. I need yeah. somebody to run the website because otherwise, I'm the voice all the time. And from experience, when a group of people, I've been the group and I've been the person, when a group of people hear the same voice too much, they tune it out. Yeah. And again, like I said, Mike Davis is a genius football brain. These moves prove it. These guys getting shots at other in other opportunities prove it. We're lacking something on the field, though. Well, until next time, guys. To the to the next uh, episode filled with the uh, conspiracy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Keep on talking.